Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Uh, just to remind you about the upcoming SACPA sessions, uh, next regular session is how are Lethbridge property owners affected by the provincial government's downloading of costs. Uh, that is on June 4th here at uh, the Country Kitchen and uh, a special session next Tuesday, June 2nd at the Lethbridge Public Library uh, to pray or not to pray. Uh, session will deal with uh, what may happen after the Supreme Court of Canada's decision that prayers before municipal council meetings are unconstitutional. Uh, the presenter will be James Linville and the moderator will be Trevor? Yes. Uh, all right. Just a couple of other housekeeping items. Just to remind you that SACPA sessions are available on uh, podcasts for your listening pleasure as well as past sessions. Um, there is a suggestion box out in the hall if anybody would like to uh, uh, contribute suggestions for SACPA sessions. Uh, I would also like you to note there's uh, brochures from many of the different youth agencies that are present in Lethbridge and work directly with youth. If you'd like to find out more about them, there's some information out there. Uh, and without uh, further ado, we'll get to question period. If you'd like to ask a question, please try to keep your uh, questions brief. Uh, proceed to the microphone and ask your question. And uh, I'll invite uh, Lewis and Byron back up to uh, answer your questions. Thanks. Um, do you mean specifically with uh, with um, mental health or just in general with what I was talking about? Um, yes, the, the segmentation with um, mental health is definitely a two-sided issue. Um, I, I think the one side of it, obviously, is uh, we don't realize the amount of uh, mental health issues that youth uh, deal with and uh, how that affects things like uh, income and uh, home living. And the other side of it is... Um, I mean, maybe we realize it a bit more, is the amount of mental health stigmatization uh, towards the elderly and towards older generations in our um, community. And uh, I think the reason that's really interesting is because we stigmatize each other as if the other group doesn't have the same issues, and that's really why we need to work together to, uh, to deal with them. No, I'm actually really excited you bring that up. Um, we definitely will be meeting later at some point to talk about those kind of things. But uh, no, I'm super excited that uh, you're you know ready to be held accountable for the kind of things you want to work towards. And uh, personally, for me, um, a big a big issue has been dealing with these youth issues because I really think that uh, um, dealing with these issues as youth are especially turning into adults will mean that in the long run that we won't have to deal with them you know, later on, or that the issue at least will be reduced for later generations to deal with. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Henning Lundwell, and I'm going to, if I may, turn it around a little bit. I'm going to ask my question up front. Please don't answer it right away. 
then I'll give a poop angle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the question is to each of you, do you feel 16-year-olds should have the right to vote in the city? Now, the post angles. Uh, it was wonderful to hear for me uh, uh, on Monday night how Jeff Compton um, really pushed that and he's going to bring that to, to the uh, Association of Urban Municipalities of Alberta. And uh, yesterday morning I heard him being interviewed on CBC Radio from Calgary and he just makes such an eloquent case for that. And uh, But you two, with your experiences, with quite a range of young people, where do you stand on that? By the way, the Lethbridge-Herald uh, survey today said only 16% are in favor of it, so I would suggest that more people have to hear what you guys have to say. Cool, thank you, and I'll answer that first. I can't really speak to Byron. I'm sure he has his own opinions on it, but uh, um, I think the 16-year-old uh, age for uh, voting is a really good thing and a really important thing to talk about. Um, I think the argument against it tends to be that we're just adding a whole bunch of uninformed voters, which is already an issue that we have here in Canada. Um, I think the reality is that we tell youth that they're not allowed to vote till they're 18, and then suddenly they turn 18, they're adults, and they have no idea um, what politics even means. By introducing it at, an, at a younger age, we're able to discuss what different policies, uh, the kind of effects they've already had in Canada, the kind of effects they can have in Canada uh, going forward. And it really gives 16-year-olds um, kind of like an ownership and like a, like a, a real reason to, to care about these politics, right? When they start learning that, um, you know, politics isn't a faraway thing that, you know, affects you some point in your life when you're older. You know, it's affecting you today, right now, and they should be given a chance to, uh, to be part of that discussion. I don't know if Byron wants to add anything on that, but... I think um, whenever I'm working with youth, I'm prepared to hear their, like, all night long, their political kind of thoughts, what they believe, everything they have to say about their society and their community. They have nothing but opinions and answers, and it, a surprising amount of them comes from a very well-informed standpoint. I'm always learning from the youth as much as, they, as much as I try and teach them, and as stereotypical as it sounds, it's absolutely true. Their opinions and their ideas are young and fresh, and issues they care about, they tend to be well-informed about. So absolutely, and I think um, we'd all at least find some kind of value if we dug hard enough to maybe re revisit the Lethbridge Herald poll and kind of be like, why is it only 16% of people agree? I think that we could get a lot more people to kind of give those 16-year-olds a chance to vote if we, um, you know, kind of give them a chance and kind of advocate on their behalf. And that could be our role here as adult mentors is to really be youth advocates and give them the chance to have their say and see how that affects. I think change is nothing but a good thing and something we could all really use. So I agree completely. Thank you for your talk and for trying to open up this intergenerational uh, uh, discussion. It's a lifelong kind of thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, I, I have several th thoughts going through my mind and, and I too uh, think a 16-year-old uh, should vote and when they're in school I know from this last election and things I heard from various teachers that the young people were very interested and the 17 year olds were really disgusted that they couldn't vote because uh, <laughs> the 18 year olds could and they already informed themselves so uh, when you're in school it's another great opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, I also heard something about the environment uh, at 
council meeting the other day where Ryan Parkerland was talking about what he knew about the environment and the environment leverage uh, uh, request for funding. Uh, he said he hadn't really been all that concerned about the environment until his children came home from school and taught him things about the environment and how concerned they were about the environment. And so next week is Environment Week. Uh, environment Leftbridge is doing uh, an event in the park, Saturday the 6th, uh, from 11 to 2, I believe it'll be, but watch for more information. But uh, my question would be how the youth that you're working with, how are they feeling about the environment and how would they like to be involved and how can we reach out and pull them into the whole environmental uh, movement that's, that's really moving ahead here in Lethbridge? So that would be my question. Thank you for your question. That's a wonderful one. Um, I think that something that's really interesting with youth that you pointed out is that through school and through uh, their connection to the to the community around them, they um, they're informing themselves and they're educating themselves on uh, what they would like to see in the environment. And with like with any other group of people, right? There's going to be some who just don't care. But uh, that's something we're starting to see quite a bit: is uh, youth really wanting to get involved in what's going on around them, especially with the kids that we work with. Um, I think they realize that there's very few safe um, and kind of like healthy locations for them to be, especially with uh, the general perceptions that people have of youth. And because of that, they have like a, a real want and care to take care of the neighborhood, to take care of uh, the area around them. Um, so, and then that translates over to uh, general care for the environment, right? When you start caring about your neighborhood, about you know even just little things like garbage around uh, the street, um, it starts broadening your your empathy and your ideas of how you know uh, other uh, communities might be might be dealing with environmental issues, um, and yeah, that's something I've honestly had a great treat, uh, treat has been working with these youth who, I mean, they're into things and they're so passionate about these kind of um, ideas that I at their age you know had no no real conceptualization of at all. So. Um, I think a big part of it is what we've been talking about here, right? If we want the youth to really be involved in that environment, um, in that environmental talk, is to invite them into the talk, right? Like, they want to be part of it, invite them in, allow them to vote, allow them to sit as board members, allow them to really share um, new ideas with, uh, with other people. And, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying that young people have fresh ideas. That's, I mean, beauty of being youth, I guess. I don't know if you want to add anything, Byron, there. I just wanted to add a big congratulations to the Environment Lethbridge group for their amazing presentation on Monday. And, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And hope to see everyone next Saturday at the uh, Gull Gardens there. So the question, it seems to me, is if, how do we create social atmospheres of connection in which conversation or meeting can take place between the generations? I think um, one of the best ways to kind of create an atmosphere in which we are able to create spaces where people are able to talk and have conversations with strangers in the street, I think it's really an art that's been lost. 
Um, I think the answer is building strong communities, building communities in which uh, people, no matter their age, no matter who they are, no matter you know their sexual orientation or anything like that, can feel safe and be able to feel ownership in the community. When I think about um, the parks around Lethbridge, uh, even just walking around Heritage Lake, I think that it's such a good opportunity to meet new people. And I think about all the parks and all the green spaces Lethbridge has to offer. I think if we can build strong communities and be reminding of people that uh, your neighbors are your community and if you take the time to even say hi and get to know your neighbors even on a first name basis, I think that's a good opportunity to really break down that first barrier, that first introduction, break the ice and make it easier to be able to you know, even wave at someone you see on the streets when you're walking around just to kind of acknowledge them as a member of your community and someone that you care about. Um, I remember one thing... I was told once upon a time uh, from Angela from the Family Center is that she told me that if in her dream world there would be no garages so everyone would have to get out of their cars and interact with people that they meet on the streets and their neighbors uh, because so many so many so often it happens that you drive home from wherever you're going and go right into your garage and go right into your house and you don't have that opportunity to have a face-to-face encounter with your neighbors and really isolates communities rather than bringing them together. So yeah, I think bringing communities together through open spaces, green spaces, and no garages is uh, what I would advocate for. I want to add to that just because you mentioned that um, you walk past youth in, in the streets who, you know, you say hello to them and they kind of ignore you or turn away. And I, I've experienced the exact same thing um, with members in the community. And I think a big part of breaking that down is um, continuing to say hello and to make eye contact and to uh, do these kind of like community-based things regardless of what the response is. Um, youth do what they've learned, right? And if they've learned to ignore each other, it's because they've learned that from, from somewhere, right? Either from home or they've learned they can't trust their neighbors or there's something breaking that barrier, right? So being able to say hello to someone regardless of whether they say hello back um, kind of starts jogging that, uh, that, that mental exercise of being like, you know what, like, there's all these people trying to connect with me and I'm constantly blocking them out, then how can I possibly expect to be changes, right? Um, and that was a huge part for me because I, I used to be a youth who just walked down the street, you know, someone says, hello, how are you, how's your day going? And I just, you know, whatever, doing my own thing. Um, and then I finally started realizing that, like, every single time I do that, I'm, I'm ignoring, like, a whole new experience. I'm ignoring this other human being who has had, like, a huge collection of... Um, just different things happen to them and different experiences and different things that you really can learn from. Um, and that's why, yeah, I, I always say breaking the first step is, you know, no matter what other people are doing, even if other people say, hey, it's not cool to talk to each other, not cool to interact, like, no, like, it is cool, whatever. Interact, learn each about each other. We're all in the same community. We all live in the same city. Like, it'd be wonderful to just get, really get to know everyone, right? So, so thank you for that question. So, uh, 
Um, thank you. I think you hit on, on an awesome point there as well where what we were kind of talking about earlier is how um, there's a lot of uh, older people who really do want to work with youth and really do want to share their experiences with them, but they're unable to due to either bureaucratic tape or, like you said, there's always, you know, all these different checks you have to go through. And um, like you said, those checks are put in for a good reason, right? They're meant to protect our children. But also, like you said, there's that whole idea of, you know, stranger danger. If I don't know you, you must be a bad person, which... If you grew up with that mentality, how are you supposed to walk around saying hello to your neighbors when you've been taught that you don't know them, so they must be dangerous, right? Um, so that's why having, um, you know, doing things like bringing youth here or bringing older people to other programs um, is, is hugely important for, for breaking down those um, barriers. Um, the main thing, I think, with, uh, with everyone in this community is to realize that there are organizations that... Um, that want to work with youth and want older people to work with youth. And there's also many, even if those organizations aren't always accessible, there's also other people who want to do the same thing. And that's why we need to um, really come together to talk about these kind of things. Uh, we had been talking earlier about how um, it'd be great, for example, to have people who are retired come into schools to um, work with children. And that's, that's a magnificent idea, right? You have people who already have some spare time on their hands. They already have all this wonderful experience and like life knowledge to uh, pass on now bridging the gap right it's just connecting those people with the, the youth who really want to hear about that and really want to learn from that um, so yeah I think the main thing is always uh, getting involved find out what kind of uh, programs are available in the community find out what kind of programs aren't available and start working towards making them available um, even uh, even doing things like like you mentioned um, encouraging the youth also to take part in other organizations right I have quite a few well I have some kids who um, volunteer at, uh, at care homes, right? They have some spare time. They don't have, you know, too much family members around them, but they know that they can go to a place where they're volunteering at, helping other people out, and those people are supporting them in return. Um, so it's, it's these kind of, like, taking care of each other type programs that I think really allow us to connect and really allow us to realize that we all have um, similar issues and um, kind of, like, similar wants, right? We all, we all want to be happy. We all want to be connected to each other. So... Those are the ways to really start working towards it. I uh, just wanted to thank you for the joke you shared with me before the presentation started today. <laughs> Hi, my name is Carol Sophia. I just wanted to know the example you gave by one of the, 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 um, the youth. Mm -hmm. You didn't say anything about their parents, their grandparents, you know, the, the uh, nuclear family or even extended family that you Information might bring things home to some of us who have some of those kids, and I'm yet to learn and realize it. Um, 
And uh, I was also going to ask, you did mention fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and I wonder what your formal training might be on that subject. All right, thank you for your question. So I'll start with um, the first part. So the family structure is one that severely affects a lot of um, you know youth that we work with. Um, the youth that I was mentioning, all three of them come from uh, very similar family structures, um, and that is family structures that are essentially broken in one way or another. Uh, the nuclear family is non-existent with the youth I was mentioning. Um, we have one of the youth I was mentioning who's in foster care who is not even allowed to see uh, his biological parents due to uh, family history. Uh, the other or the other two are both from um, or sorry, one other is from a single parent fa single parent home. A single uh, working mother is his caretaker. And then the other one, um, the one who is struggling with youth homelessness, uh, Kevin, uh, his family um, has kicked him out. His family has essentially abandoned him and due to his age, he is working towards independent living. And as far as my training goes with uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, a lot of it come, a lot of my knowledge about it comes from my education and work with a CCBN at the University of Lethbridge. Uh, I studied rats there and my um, primary uh, education, my independent study was based around the epigenetic factors of prenatal stress and aging. But alongside that, for comparison, we often discussed uh, how alcohol affects fetuses as in comparison to stress. Then my experience working um, with individuals with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder um, comes from the work I've done with youth. Uh, I spent just about a year working in a group home in the city of Calgary with the Boys and Girls Club there. And that required me to have uh, working knowledge and as well as formal knowledge um, of how um, individuals with uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder uh, work and manage their world. I think one of my favorite quotes I've heard about individuals with FASD is um, they're 10-second kids living in a one-second world. I think that aptly describes some of the struggles that they can have and overcome in their lives. So thank you.
So um, I think the um, I think the best way to answer that question is to kind of evaluate resources that we have available to us now. Research has brought us to where we are today in society with a wealth of knowledge and information, understanding the effects that you know drugs, alcohol, and the problems that you know addictions can have on that sort of thing, how they affect the developing brain, the severity of the damages that can be done, and so I think in order to properly treat individuals who are suffering from uh, extended brain damage from drugs, alcohol, narcotics, all the different types of abuses the brain can be traumatized by, I think it's, start, it's best to start with an education knowledge. Uh, so um, myself, I'm no psychiatrist, I'm no doctor, but there are plenty of doctors and psychiatrists available out there to those who can afford them and those who can access them. So for individuals who are suffering from, you know, narcotic abuse and all that, there I would recommend understanding the problem, understanding that it's still an individual you're working with, an individual with their own beliefs, their own values, and their own personality. And by treating them with respect uh, and then giving them the help they need, uh, whether that be like cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, proper medication assignment, um, or even long-term or more severe forms of treatment, uh, I think we can really help and assist individuals. And I hope that has at least in part answered your question. Um, hopefully I can answer the other part. We'll see. Um, I think it, something that's really important to realize is that we do have certain organizations, we do have certain programs um, that are there to help youth who have either gone through narcotic abuse, alcohol abuse, or even just come from a um, kind of a broken socioeconomic background. And... These programs are available. I think the main issue has been that in the past, our government doesn't, uh, hasn't properly funded them and hasn't properly uh, marketed them as uh, a, fear, a form to cure people, right? Um, a lot of the times, these kind of programs are uh, put kind of on the back burner or they're seen as just kind of like wasting and burning away money, where in reality, what we have to realize is that uh, the issues you were talking about aren't ones that you just take someone to the doctor and give them a pill and here you go, you're cured. They're... They're issues that, uh, I mean, they're problems that built up over years of this person's life. So they're also going to take years to, uh, to deal with, right? Um, and yeah, and then the other side of it is that a lot of times there isn't somewhere to go. A lot of times you need help and you need uh, someone to help you out with the issues that you're dealing with. And there just really isn't any organization or person who is equipped uh, to help you with that. So the next part of that kind of being um, asking those questions, right? Like, what are we missing? What are we not equipped for? And how can we make sure that in the future we can help out kids with... Uh, um, either drug abuse or who, co who come from broken families. And uh, I think that's why it's a really exciting time, especially in our province, where, who knows, we might be seeing some changes coming up. Thank you. We'll uh, got time for last two questions, and then we'll wrap up. Thanks, Mr. Chair. Uh, great job, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, well done. And I think there's something we should be doing more often. Uh, you know, I'm just going to make an observation. Probably not a question. Uh, I'm looking at this room here, and I don't see too many youth here. I also don't see the poor house, which is totally disgusting to me. And I think Sackbar has a major responsibility. And I have to thank him for, for inviting you folks or whoever here. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's organizations like boards and all these kinds of community event uh, committees. Youth, you know, in my past 35 years, 
I've always insisted that we have to have youth in our boards or committees. But that doesn't happen. And it means that's very disgusting. And I, I don't know what I can do. I, 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 I'll continue screaming, but <laughs> it's really unfortunate because that's, that's, our, that's our future. Like Major Alberta, for example, this is our Leftist Nationalist Society. You know, I'm trying to pretend I was a chairman, I wanted to get youth involved, and you know, it doesn't get anywhere. So, to me, I'm just making a comment. I, I, I hope you guys agree with me here. It's very essential to have an opportunity, and it, it, it's your side too. You have to make sure that, that you should have some interest and incentive to do this kind of thing. Thank you very much. Yeah, I want to just let you know that we totally agree uh, with that sentiment. Um, we, I was talking about it with a few people in this room before, how, we, how important it is to have uh, youth representation, especially amongst boards um, and amongst different policymakers in town, because uh, we're making policies that affect them. And like you said, they are literally our future. And if they grow up feeling like they're not being listened to, there's no reason for them truly really to want to give back to that community. So thank you. No, that's awesome that you uh, mentioned that because that's something definitely we've been talking about um, quite a bit lately. I think it's that work that you were doing, I think you said in Edmonton, um, is super important, right? Because that's kind of where we start building the empathy. That's where we start realizing um, the issues that the other side has to deal with. And just like you said, like both sides need each other equally as much. It's not as much as like just, you know, telling youth how to grow up, kind of showing them a good way to do it. And on the other side of that, right, um, is, is maintaining that energy and that motivation as you get older yourself, right? And youth, working with youth, really reminds you of that kind of fire and that kind of passion they have. Um, as far as how do we get that going in town, I mean, let's talk after the meeting. <laughs> um, I, I know that there's already been some, some work, a little bit of work being done towards that step. I've talked about it with a few of you, how important it is to get, um, you know, seniors into these youth programs and youth into these senior programs. And yeah, that's that's amazing. I think Byron has a few things to add on that too. Um, I'm always excited to work with the youth in the evenings because I it's our drop-in program starts right around 7 p.m. and right before that I kind of hit a personal lull of energy, and I was like, okay, I need to bring myself my energy levels up so I can work with these youth. And then it's such a backwards way of thinking because they're the ones who in, in, like invigorate me. They're the ones who give me. Uh, the energy I need and the passion that I need because you, they have so much of it and it's hard to not get swept up in their young idealism and what they believe in and their passion, strengths, and energy. It's absolutely amazing. And then uh, what you're speaking to is um, some work that we've been uh, working towards and have been working on is uh, 
having um mu- having some youth play music with uh some of our elder citizens here in Lethbridge uh the LSCO um is an organization that we've been working with and uh hope to continue working with uh they have a f- fantastic center where we hope to kind of it, I think it would be awesome to just bring like 20 17 16 year olds into that building to use their facility and kind of get to know it and see get, have a chance to give back and have a chance to learn young idealism meeting uh old experience and wisdom is kind of what i'm envisioning and that's kind of what we're working towards and hope to continue to bridge that gap so they can give to each other really at the end of the day thank you thank you both very much thank you everybody for your questions one of the big takeaways for me it seems to keep coming